Where is the obvious button that says the thing? I know, I found it finally. I'm so proud. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Unfortunately Required Reading. We are mm-hmm. reading Don Quixote um, by Don Miguel de Cervantes. But say, can we repeat that uh, line read on Quixote? Don Quixote. <laughs> can we repeat that? Can we repeat that line, please? Do you want me little... to be as white as possible? Don Quixote. Oh my god. Peggy I Hill. Am... I could do Peggy <clears throat> Hill. Fun fact, uh, I'm from Arlington, Texas originally. Uh and King of the Hill is a small trigger for me because as soon as I moved to San Antonio, it's like, are you like from King of the Hill? First of all, that's North Richland Hills or Garland that Arlen is based off of. Secondly, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Two seconds in, triggered. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, it's better than the demon who tried to eat my Pop-Tarts. Please, please go on about the demon who tried to eat your Pop-Tarts. So longtime listeners to the pod uh, know that my apartment may or may not be haunted. <laughs> um, and I was at my workstation, which is close to my kitchen. Tori has been to my apartment, so she can kind of imagine the layout. And I had uh, two boxes of Pop-Tarts, because why not? They're not precarious. They're on the shelf, but not precarious. They're actually pretty pushed in, so I don't knock them over. And one box comes flying off the shelf and onto the ground. Nope. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. I'm in the other room. I'm not there. There's no wind. There's no draft. There's nothing. And just one of the boxes falls down. So I guess the uh, the demon wanted my Pop-Tarts. Then I tried to light a protection candle because a good friend of mine sent me a protection candle to, to keep the demon away. I had not lit it because it's just a very pretty candle. It's a very pretty candle. It's a beautiful color. I had not lit it because I wanted to maintain the integrity of the candle because I'm an idiot. (laughs) The candle flame burned sideways the entire duration. I even turned the AC off to make sure it wasn't the AC. It wasn't. All of the wax pulled to one side and it burned very quickly. Yeah, I don't like that. I don't not crazy about it either, frankly. <laughs> I don't know what this means. I don't I don't know what this is supposed to symbolize. But uh the candle's black, so there was just this pool of black wax all on one side on my table, and it burned about half of its wick, like half of like the candle in maybe like 30 minutes. I kind of feel like I want to ask my witch friends what that means, but also by I don't all, want to know. By all means, I think I have a video. Like, it just, I did not know what was going on. It's like, we're going to blow this out, and we're just going to work with what we have. So the demon wanted my Pop-Tarts, which is fine, because they're cherry, which is the best flavor of Pop-Tart. I'm, I'm a strawberry with a frosting. That's, that's my I was just say, like, favorite. We, like, I feel like the strawberry unfrosted is just a punishment. Yes, it, it just kind of feels like, what was the point here? Like, that's just for naughty children, but you legally still have to feed them. <laughs> you still have to feed your bad child, but you don't have to feed them well. They don't get the joy of the frosting. But I think we can all agree the top tier Pop-Tart was the Wildberry uh, 1990s skating rink one. 
Yeah. Um, I think we can all agree. Yeah, I flashbacks think we can all to agree. that to that pattern. <sighs> Dixie cups, um, lights everywhere. What the heck was that? Yeah, like fruit punch, but it wasn't spelled fruit. Oh my gosh. I just was thinking about Taco Bells in the early 90s. Yes. Oh my gosh. So um, do you remember when I was uh, painting canvases for my enamel pins and I was using that like yeah. holographic paint? Uh, actually in the Sophie the Magpie uh, Discord, we were talking about it and uh, Sophie's mail was like, I say this with the best intentions, but this looks like the floor of a skating rink. There you go. And it's like, that's a compliment for every like 80s, 90s kid. Like, this looks like the floor of a skating rink, like perfect. Exact aesthetic. I'm laughing right now because I have creatively titled this episode, Delusions of Grandeur are More Fun with a Friend. Yes. But I feel like that just encapsulates our entire podcast. <gasps> My husband brought me food. Thank you. So Tori warned me uh, before we started recording. <gasps> That her husband may bring her food. Thank you. I love you. You're the best. This is all going on the podcast because I'm too lazy to edit it out. Bye, honey. And she has received food from a uh, off camera, like it's magic. The chicken sandwich, not from Chick Fil A. <laughs> Wait. So do you have McDonald's fries and then a Chick Fil A no, sandwich? No, no, no. This is a McDonald's spicy chicken sandwich. Oh, okay. Because I thought you were saying not from Chick Fil A, ironically, because I know you oh, no, did no, no, still. No, 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 no. Okay. No, I laughed I was because like... my daughter is LGBT and still wants to eat at Chick Fil A, and I'm like, but do you though? Do you? I mean, I'm LGBT and I had Chick Fil A for breakfast, so I okay. really don't have a leg to stand on. I'm sorry. It's all good. There is no ethical consumption under capitalism. Just do what you want. That's fair. Like, there's no ethical consumption. Does my not getting Chick-fil-A, is that going to make them stop hating gay people? No, it's not. There's not enough people who are willing to make that decision because America is fundamentally racist. My favorite is the super adorable like gay dudes that work at Chick-fil-A and you feel like they they are there to like fight the system. Mm -hmm. That makes me happy. So I apologize as I eat spicy sauce with french fries on camera. Oh, it's oh, fine. I mean, I'm recording. sure. I'm sure we've done worse while recording, haven't we? Oh, remember we used to eat crackers and cheese just like right into the microphone. Oh yeah, like we did aggressively. That's true. We did stop eating on a mic for the most part, uh, not just because we are no longer uh, recording in the same space, but also because uh, we didn't want to become that channel. First of all. ASMR can be sexy, and that's frightening. Anyway, to who? Sexy to certain people. These are like, there are also people who like find it erotic when women fart on cakes. There's an entire website of just yeah, women farting on cakes. Lunars exist. Yeah. For people who don't know, lunars are the people who are sexually aroused by balloons, right? Yeah. Lunars are real. Oh, also, uh, before we get started, there's a piece of Disney trivia that has been bothering me. Uh-oh. So, do you remember the old animated Dumbo? Yeah. Remember the scene where he's, like, separated from his mom and he's, like, swaying back and forth? Yeah. So, that's something that elephants do in real life when they're sad. Oh. So, like, basically, they animated what it looks like when an elephant hates itself. Well, I know like Disney, their ink and paint departments used mm-hmm. to bring in like live animals. So the 
artists could see them right like draw them which is really cool if you guys ever get what is it called it has robert benchley in it of all things and that was one of uh, dorothy parker's drinking buddies mm-hmm. um I'm trying to think of the name it's something to do with a dragon feeds dragon the reluctant dragon oh. and it's from 1941 so mm-hmm. this is way 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 back in the day and he decides that he's going to turn it into a a a movie with disney but when he gets Mm -hmm. there they've already kind of come up with something but Mm -hmm. what it is is it's really just a walk through the disney ink and paint studio stuff from that time period because disney was really really good at marketing and still will probably be until they collapse in a ball of glory um so yeah anyway that's that's where that's coming from so if you ever want to see like a lion for some reason in the uh studio walking around yeah but yeah like i mean i just i i love that they were that dedicated to that part of the movie that they actually animated what it looks like when an elephant is having a mental crisis (laughs) see i thought for sure you were gonna go up onto the crows being jim crow i don't want to talk about that because right now on a disney discourse uh, there was a lot of talk about Disney going to SJW because they're changing out some of the rides because they're blatantly racist and offensive and outdated. Uh, so there's been a lot of uh, not to make it a race thing, but basically old white men like, you're ruining my childhood. Why do you need Br'er Rabbit on a mountain? Thank you. I was going to say, I remember going on Splash Mountain and being like, this is incredibly uncomfortable. Like, yeah, and being a kid a little kid and not just because i was about to plunge several feet right against my will because my mom wanted to go on the ride with my sister right but to be fair i also used to be terrified of the haunted mansion until i was like 14 so and that was my favorite thing ever so go figure um, but yeah so uh, disney discourse has been filled a lot with uh make disney great again kind of talk and it's like I'm not that attached to anything in my life that like the experience of it is ruined by updates. Like I talked about this on another podcast. I really love Poncho's Mexican buffet. It's like if someone made a baby out of a Taco Bell and a Golden Corral, it's a buffet full of like very cheap, decent Mexican food. I'm not going to say it's good, but it's frighteningly edible. My (laughs) parents and I used to go there. What? (laughs) It's frighteningly edible. Like, for the price, it should not be food. Like, you should not be able to have access to feet of food for, like, five to seven dollars. That's not, that's not okay. So my parents, I used to go there all the time when I was younger, but, like, that chain went downhill very fast. I think there's, like, one back home still, and there's, like, a few scattered across the nation. And I have fond memories of Poncho's Mexican buffet. But if someone were to say, oh, inside of every Poncho's, there is the finger of an Aztec warrior mummified, it would not ruin my experience of Poncho's to send that back. Right? Like, go send it back. Well, you got to understand too, and I used to be one of them and then I got over it. People throw a fucking fit 
if they changed the wallpaper out, if they add something new, if they decide that they need to update something with like new special effects so it doesn't look cheesy anymore. Mm-hmm. And Mark was like, trust me, when you go to Disney World for the first time, you're going to see what the plan looks like. Because I was like, Disneyland was built in 1955. Because my mom was born in 56. So that's the only reason I know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, it has to stay this way because that was Walt's vision. And he's like, you're so full of crap, dude. You're so full of crap. And we go to Disney World and I'm like, wow, this Peter Pan ride is a lot better with updates. Okay, I also, get it. Walt was a racist and a eugenicist mm-hmm. who didn't like women yeah that's the really funny thing is there's actually now an entire it's massive it's a book called ink and paint and yeah. basically what happened is all the women would work in ink and paint because it was like mm. that's a job for the ladies they could finish off that design but really like those women are the ones who made it they made right. everything so, but it was always, you know, the the guys who did the drawings in the background that got the attention. And um, so there's now an entire book about him. One of them, um, Millicent Patrick, I think is her name, it went on to create the creature from the Black Lagoon suit and then mm-hmm. be completely erased by Bud Westmore until recently where um, a, a woman came out with a book about it. I mean, and- in all fairness, comics have had that problem with men too. So like demagogues are bad at being people cough stanley (laughs) there's actually a really good uh documentary that just came out at south by southwest called hysterical Mm -hmm. and it's just about women in comedy and some of it's like really funny because they're just being them Mm -hmm. and some of it's really scary about like the places that they'll put women when they're traveling and they're like well this is where the guy comics stay i don't see why that's a problem and it's like well first of all i'm sharing an apartment with three male comics that keep bringing home hookers every night so i don't know you tell me like yeah that's uh that that that's rough um it's, we're not, it's a really good one anyway we're not we're, we're not talking running. about the books so short story long i'm gonna launch into it yes. you guys have probably heard the story a million times because Don Quixote is completely enmeshed in our society. Yeah, I, I definitely want to lead with that up top that you may have never read this book proper, but it has ingrained itself so much into the pop culture lexicon that you know this iconography and you know this story. So basically, if you ever hear somebody say, oh, you're chasing windmills, kid, you you know. So basically, we're going to kind of boil it down, and I get to tell you about all the drama and stuff that goes with this, too. Mm -hmm. So Don Quixote is a middle-aged, well-read gentleman in an area of central Spain known as La Mancha. Basically, think of La Mancha as, if you're from California, Fresno. If you're from Texas, a small town, okay? Um, Who's small? Like Lano small. Okay, because remember, like Texas, Marble Falls small. About to say, Texas has two kinds of small. Are we talking like Crockett or are we talking like Green? We're talking like, oh, I've only heard of that because I drove through it last weekend. Kyle, got it. Yeah. So, anyway, he 
tends to read a lot of books on chivalry and protecting the weak and helpless from pure evil. And at some point in time, his brain decides that this is real and he's going to do it. Now, at this point in time, knights aren't really a thing anymore, but he is going to become a knight errant, meaning he's going to travel across the, the country and, and fight for the good of all. So he takes up his lance and sword to fight for what he believes in based purely on fantasy. Now, his suit of armor is a rusted suit of armor that used to belong to a family member like two, three generations back. Mm -hmm. And his the visor is so messed up that he makes one out of cardboard and puts it on. And is like, yeah, I'm a real knight now. And everybody's like, uh, you need to lay down. Anyway, so he decides that his first mission is going to be to fight a giant, but it's really a windmill. Mm -hmm. And he fails miserably on his first adventure. Thankfully, mm -hmm. he is supported by a very confused laborer named Sancho Panza. Sancho Panza in Don Quixote's mind is a faithful squire. And what he does is he ends up leaving his family and kids to go fight with Don Quixote. Like, mm -hmm. this delusional old man is going to pay me. Why not? So the rest of their crew is a old barn neg named Rociante, who is a super old horse who was way too old for this nonsense. All three ride through the roads of Spain to find glory and adventure. And Don Quixote decides that he's going to give up all comforts in his quest of a peasant woman who is actually a princess named Dulcinea de Toboso. But keep in mind, she's really just like a wench from the neighboring town who like works at a restaurant and really has no time for this guy. So completely deluded, Don Quixote sets out on his second mission and screws up when he starts stealing from confused citizens. He abandons a boy and leaves him in the hands of an evil farmer because the farmer takes an oath that he won't hurt him. Uh, he takes a basin from a barber because he thinks it's a magic helmet. Uh, he takes a healing potion, which actually just makes him super sick, but he thinks he's healed later when he starts to feel better. And Sancho finds himself having to take like the brunt of the problems that his friend's behavior caused. So he's like, sorry, 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 sorry. They encounter the, a funeral for a student who died when he fell in love with a shepherdess who didn't return his affections. He frees a galley slave, accidentally reunites two couples. It's like a whole thing. Um, Sancho continues to try to explain that Don Quixote's beliefs are just fantasies and tries to correct him, but doesn't really work. A priest and a farmer, both former friends of Don Quixote, try to bring him home, and that ends the first part of the novel. Now, keep in mind, these are the same friends who at some point in time were like, these books are bad for him. So they started breaking up his library while he was asleep. And then when he was like, where the hell is my room? They're like, oh, um, an enchanter stole all your books so there's a very 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 long period of time and then part two comes out mm -hmm. so this part two starts off by bashing a supposed sequel published between the two parts which i'll talk about that drama in a little bit um the two continue their journeys Sancho lies to Don Quixote and tells him Dulcinea has been turned into a peasant girl by an evil enchanter. Again, evil enchanters. The goal is to undo the spell, which they now both suddenly come to believe is a real thing. Mm -hmm. Don Quixote meets a duke and justice who enjoy messing with him. They dress up as a, ser a servant as Merlin and have him tell Don Quixote the only way to undo the enchantment is for Sancho to whip himself 3,300 times on his back side aka his butt they go on multiple adventures under the watch of the duke and duchess including one with a flying wooden horse they try to slay a giant who was turned who turned into a princess and 
also her lover into these metal figures. Sancho becomes the governor of a fake island. He makes it about 10 days until he's attacked by soldiers hired by the Duke and Duchess. And he's like, I don't think I ever want to be a governor again. A maid at the Duchess's house falls in love with Don Quixote, but he only has eyes for Dulcinea. He decides it's time to go back to adventuring, but he's attacked in Barcelona by the Knight of the White Moon, who is just an old friend who's disguised. Um, the whole story is written like a history, and Cervantes pretends that it's translated from a Moorish manuscript from a man named Cid, uh, Cid Hamete Bengali. And El Cid is a big story thing from out there. At the end of this, the beaten up Don Quixote gives up chivalry and dies from a fever. Benigali comes in at the end of the book to say that the whole point of this book was to talk about the death of chivalry. The end. So this is actually two books. Yeah. We really only focus on the first one because the first one is short. The second mm -hmm. one takes a while. Mm -hmm. My God. <laughs> uh, okay, so I think we've talked about uh, suspension of disbelief before, right? So for, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, firstly, I'm sorry. <laughs> firstly, I'm sorry. Hello. Uh, so suspension of disbelief basically is uh, whenever you go into a work of fiction, like especially uh, prevalent in movies, that you kind of have to hang your usual level of skepticism like on a hook and go into whatever you're watching and not think about it too much because of course there's going to be like fantastical elements that aren't true and aren't real but you have to hang your suspension of disbelief up um almost every movie you see unless it's like a straight up documentary is going to have some level of suspension of disbelief but better written movies have a better time with it so like think of the current mcu they are often framed and discussed and written in a way that someone like Iron Man doesn't seem that crazy, despite being very crazy. <laughs> um, this book for me has like negative suspension of disbelief. Every part of this seems increasingly absurd and not in a way that I feel entertaining. <laughs> I think there's a reason why we all know the part about windmills and no one knows any other part of this book. Um, this book, or if you do, it's because you are obsessed with the musical Man of La Mancha. Yes, for which I'm concerned about you. Um, I'm not obsessed with it. I saw the full thing with Peter O'Toole recently to prep for this podcast, and I forgot how rapey that movie is. Um, Sophia Loren, goddess, but also pretty. the entire time I'm like, can I just give her a sword so she can stab this dude? Like, right. But um, this basically. So my grandmother, before she passed away, had uh, Alzheimer's and dementia. This just feels like watching someone with dementia, so it's not fun for me. Because also, like, the level that everyone plays along, and it doesn't feel like that's a human reaction. Like, I'm a shitster supreme. And I, so I think it's, it's in Scandinavia, but there's a village uh, full of houses and restaurants that like nothing costs any money. Like there's no cars, streets are like not labeled and everything like that. And it's because the village is full of people that have Alzheimer's and dementia. So like, it's an enclosed village. I think there's one in Japan too. Like it, there's a few in different places. 
but it's basically just designed for people who don't know what they're doing anymore. So they just walk into a grocery store, get an apple and forget they have to pay. So it's not a big deal. That's what this feels like. It feels like it's happening like in one of those like enclosed dementia towns. And what's funny is that you say that because there's a whole part where he's in the courtyard and he's with the um, the owner of this inn and the guy's mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, thank you for letting me stay at your castle. And the, the innkeeper's just like, okay, bro. And he goes, well, you know, do you have any money? And Don Quixote goes, well, you know, I've read that, you know, I, they never mention money in books. So I, I brought no money with me. And he goes, oh, okay. Well, um, it's kind of like bringing an extra shirt. You brought an extra shirt, right? He goes, yeah. And he goes, these are unspoken things that, you know, you have to do. So he goes, what I suggest is you get a squire and you have your squire carry your money, which is how we end up with like Sancho Panza. Mm-hmm. But the fact that people are so willing to play into it and the I funny think that's thing is, what kills it. You know what it is? It's because the man has money. I, if, I don't care. I don't care. I'm just I, saying, if Don Quixote walked in and he was a peasant, people would just be like, "Who the f is this guy? Go kick his ass!" But because he is wealthy and people know it, they're like, yes. "Hey, maybe he'll leave me some money when he dies." Yeah, we can make this a giant race metaphor, but I don't want to because uh, I'm tired. Check on your black friends, everyone. Yes, it has just, been a long week. Just uh, like don't don't pry. Just 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 make sure that they're okay. Most of us are very tired. Yeah. Um, don't don't ask them to expand on their feelings about certain things going on right now. Just make sure they're okay. And if you can, send them like a cake or something. Do you want a cake? I mean, I'll never turn down cake. Um, I didn't know that we get cake for generational trauma. That's excellent. Um, <laughs> I didn't know that we got cake for generational trauma. That's lovely. Um, but yeah, like there's just something about it that I don't know. I I wanted to go in and really like this and it'd be like a fun adventure. And it just made me sad because it reminded me of my grandma who didn't remember who I was by the time she died. And a lot of it too is like we we now have it framed from like we understand that these behaviors are not okay and they're they're super (laughs) not healthy like I just spent the entire time just like this is someone with mental illness and he needs help and you guys are fucking with him like it just it wasn't like a fun oh look he's that's just old Don Quixote doing his doing a weird little thing like that man is either in the midst of the worst schizophrenic episode that has ever been written down or he has dementia he has a brain worm something is wrong and y'all aren't helping him well there's also like his whole his whole thing about like night errands like it cracks me up because everybody's like i didn't think we did nights anymore or that's not really how that works and his whole like i'm gonna travel the countryside and i'm gonna do this and everybody's like well that's that's not really how our society is set up anymore like um and maybe it should be right like okay so i think so there is a play that i like that does this better and that's arsenic and old lace oh which is so good 
arsenic and old lace is fantastic i don't know why more people don't like it but also should have been like one of the many many things that signal that i would one day grow up to be a deviant queer <laughs> it's a very long list i was gonna say i can't find the lie in this scenario <laughs> like it's a very long list of things that realistically should have been like a big red flag like this one's gonna grow up to be a deviant queer uh, but I love arsenic and old <laughs> And that does that with Teddy. And like, you know, obviously, again, like this is a fucked up human being who needs help. But I guess it's just framed in a way that like he's still being cared for. So it's all right. And I think if he was doing this without Sancho Pons on the background, we would just be like, oh, F, no, 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 no. But yeah. because Sancho's there and he's like, hey, buddy. I think uh, honestly, that kind of makes it worse in places because none, none of the hey, buddy is let's just go home. Take grandpa home. Grandpa, he's out. He doesn't have his shoes. He needs his slippers. Take grandpa home. <laughs> well, what's fascinating is the whole sequence with the windmill and it's like, oh, these giants. And Sancho's like, um, that's a windmill. And he's like, yeah, I, I don't know. And this is 100% like me projecting having been a caregiver completely. And I understand that. So if it seems like I'm harping, it's because I am. But it's just like, I just keep imagining because like my grandma would do things like this. She never fought windmills or anything. But like, we just, okay, we're going to go to the store. Like, Grandma, you have on, like, a nightgown from the Civil War. <laughs> and your walker is still on, like, it still has its brakes on. We're not going anywhere. We're going to go to the living room to watch Criminal Minds. That's what we're going to do. Like, it just, it's amazing how your life experience really colors what you read. And I feel like, like that's that's ninety percent of this podcast. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, that's ninety percent of the human condition. <laughs> Is that your life experience colors how you perceive things? <laughs> but like, I wonder if I had like read the book, like the actual book, not just saw the Wishbone episode as a child. Oh. <laughs> First of all, the Wishbone episode is everything. I went back to rewatch it and I realized as I'm literally singing the song mm -hmm. and my husband's like, how do you, how do you know this? Like, how do you know this by heart? I'm like, first of all, Wishbone was my entire childhood. There was, oh my God, sorry. There was a TikTok I saw uh, last night that was, uh, if you preferred disney over nickelodeon as a child you were low-key rich and then the response was <laughs> i saw and, that and the response was if you watched cartoon network as a child you raised yourself yes and i was like how did you get into my house <laughs> how did you break into my home oh that hurt me so much i just remember i was like way more of a nickelodeon kid and then, I mean, it's probably because we moved a lot and it was like, mm -hmm. what, I think we had cable because my dad loved cable. But mm -hmm. like, by then, I mean, I missed Xenon, the girl of the 21st century. I was yeah, not I was... into Hillary Duff. Um, I missed all of Hannah Montana. I, oh, I, I did watch some Sweet Life of Zach and Cody because um, I have a younger cousin and we have an awkward age gap. Uh, he's 12 years younger than me. So like, I did catch some of the Disney stuff because of him. 
it's like uh-huh. he would have been a Disney kid. I was a Nickelodeon Cartoon Network kid. So I, I did get to see some of the Disney stuff. I mostly found it very weird and boring. Um, but yeah, that was a. Uh, I saw that last night and I was like, that cut way deeper than it should have. It's like, and if you liked Cartoon Network, you raised yourself. It's like, oof. <laughs> Not false, but uh, you didn't have to say it. Um, so do we want to do some theming and symboling? Again, I'm sorry that I've tirated. Uh, I'm no, probably you're in not. the midst. Huh? <laughs> no, you're um, not. Okay, I'm sorry, fictional straw man character that I've invented, so I sound less like a narcissist. <laughs> I've been watching, as Tori knows, hours of car crash content, uh, because I'm assuming I'm in some kind of mental episode. <laughs> Can I just recommend the Russian ones? They're really common. The, this uh, channel, it's a whole channel of just dash cam videos. There's a it's- channel? Okay, it's called, I'm sorry. Um, I have some concerns that there's a channel. There's, there's, it's called Dashcam Lessons, which sounds like a weird kink thing. There's hundreds of videos and there's like an hour long video at the end of every month. That's best of the month. Did these kids not have to watch Red Asphalt in their uh, driving training class? Or Reefer Madness? Wait, yeah, did you guys have to watch Reefer Madness in Texas? We didn't, uh, but I'm sure someone did. I was going to say, like, we listened to Sublime on the playground. So, like, that tells you anything <laughs> about the differences between Texas and California. Just, just sad Californian children. Yeah, there's hours of car crash and a break check content. This one, yeah, this channel is called Dashcam Lessons. My God. So this one's mostly like British Columbia and America. Some of them were actually like in Texas. Like a few of them were actually back home. And it's like, I know that intersection. <laughs> like it gave me, it gave streets. It's like, I know this intersection. <laughs> I used to drive here all the time. Well, some of those streets, man, up in like smaller towns where it's mm-hmm. like stoplights are a suggestion. Yeah. And you're like, uh, so fun story. My step family so we had this guy who's like my great uncle jack right he was a little Mm -hmm. crazy and he would not go into town after they installed a stoplight and we're talking small small town up near dallas would not go there because he said i know when i get there that some bitch gonna be red that's how lights work and i just jack was a mood um he barricaded himself in a room once with a shotgun because he mm-hmm. thought that the government was coming to take him away. He was very, very old at this point. And I just mm-hmm. got to say, Great Aunt Deck was like a saint. A saint about this stuff. So um, mm-hmm. they are no longer with us. They were delightful. And that was my Texas family that I was like, yeah, you know what? I think I could probably do this. I could probably live there. There's currently a, a person out in the mountains right now who's having one of the longest standoffs with the American police because of what happened at Waco and Ruby Ridge that no one wants to fuck with him. Holy guac. Yeah. He's still, well, there are still people who wholeheartedly believe in David Koresh and the Branch Davidians. Yes. Wholeheartedly. They are, and we just had the anniversary of of the, um, the Branch Davidian compound 
implosion for lack of a better term um fuck man i mean there's still people who wholeheartedly believe heaven's gate like that that's coming back yeah this guy isn't one of them he's just one of those like old racist like sovereign citizen dudes and uh i think like the the police gonna take him in there's a there's a new york times retro report documentary about ruby ridge that talks about him later uh which we will link in the show notes um but like this guy he's just basically been like in a mexican standoff for like years now because no one wants to repeat what happened (laughs) and i get it uh for for those who are either not american or uh still think that the police are good um basically ruby ridge was a horrible horrible standoff between the police and just a racist dude who had too many guns and it ended horribly like the negotiations were bad the cops were like shooting blindly into the house that they were barricaded in and like didn't know that they were fatalities or anything and there was some just like really really sad rhetoric around what happened and keep in Um, mind this is separate from waco these are two different occurrences but but what and then what ended up happening in waco is that people were citing we don't want this to be a ruby ridge and it was somehow worse uh well a lot of that happened because like they weren't necessarily very smart first of all it was going to be a no-knock warrant which we know how Mm -hmm. terrible those are um the second thing was one of the guys got lost one of the uh i want to say it was either it was either dea or it was um no, it was ATF. He got lost. And so he asked a uh, postman who was, he passed and said, hey, where is this the Mount Carmel Center? Mm-hmm. That postman was one of David Koresh's in-laws. So he yeah. just called and said, hey, ATF's about to knock on your door. You might mm-hmm. want to get prepared. They learned a lot of lessons from that. Sure. Um <laughs> Almost like we don't need the police anymore. Sorry, Amanda got political. <laughs> I'm trying really hard not to go full a cab. I'm trying so hard. And it's just, they're not making it easy. My mom called me the other day, panicked. Cause she goes, I heard there was a shooting in San Antonio. And I'm like, I'm currently in my office at work. I was mm-hmm. not involved in the shooting. Mm-hmm. And she goes, yeah, I figured that out after I did some more research and figured out it was like a traffic stop. And I'm like, but it's still, it's still oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I'm trying really hard not to go full ACAB, but um, yeah, they just, uh, it does, the, there's no end to the barrel, is it? It just, just keeps on growing. So uh, the night errant as a uh, theme where you can kind of be like, a night for hire which realistically all nights were nights for hire uh they were whores with swords <laughs> whores with swords which is i guess what i am uh, <laughs> uh, i mean there's nothing more iconic than the medieval night here's the problem we all assume that they were like chill cool guys uh no not all of them were nobility oftentimes uh they were randos that were conscripted uh now some did come from like noble families and had like coats of arms and shit like that but most of them were just dudes that occasionally were given power 
uh, i.e. the Crusades, which, which everybody doesn't want to talk about. Everybody remember the Crusades had nothing to do with spreading religion and everything to do with taking treasures. Mm, it was also very much about taking back the Holy Land, but not for any religious reason. No. It was a land grab. I mean, like, I, I definitely don't want to diminish that they did very clearly want to take back the Holy Land for no holy reasons at all. But they did want to take that back. Um, and, and the Turks were like, fuck this. Uh, but the idea of like, I'm just going to become a knight. Like, that's a very like chill Western idea um, that's mostly just exhausting. And there are some really, really cool uh, documentaries that explore knights and knighthood because again, like it's not what we think it is or was. Um, it's mostly just not as romantic as you think it was. Like capital R Byron romantic. I brought in Lord Byron. I opened the door for him. And he was like, hey, I don't want to be here. <laughs> <laughs> not false. Not false at all. I t- <laughs> he's like, I opened the door for Lord Byron. He hissed and said no. I mean, I guess I do have a magnum of champagne in my fridge if he wants it. I mean, I think it was honestly like that type of writer that made me really realize that I hate the question uh if you could like go out with your favorite writer, would you? It's like, no. Yeah. My favorite writer is a syphilitic Frenchman <laughs> who wouldn't leave the house. No. No, I don't want to be there. That sounds awful. They're also probably horribly like racist and sexist. Because yeah. it was literally a different time. My favorite writer used to be Hemingway. So... And then I think this podcast made you hate him anyway. I don't hate him. I just like his wives more. <laughs> I think this podcast made you hate Hemingway. And I think it also like made you hate Fitzgerald because you were upset about Zelda. Oh, I already was mad at Fitzgerald. I wasn't so, mad at him. In Ted Lasso, because I'm now obsessed with that show. At one point in time, Ted gives books to all the members of the team. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what the? F-? One guy gets a wrinkle in time because it's supposed to show him about leader, reluctant leadership. Mm-hmm. And then like the pretty boy who like gets everything he wants, he gives mm-hmm. him The Beautiful and the Damned by F. Scott Fitzgerald. And the guy just immediately throws it out. And my husband's like, did he give him The Great Gatsby? I'm like, oh no, friend. That one's going to sting so much more. <laughs> oh my God, why? Uh, do you want to talk about the church? I'm a Lutheran dude. Do you really want to do? No, I'm just kidding. What do you have to say? I just what recently you... found out that Martin Luther did not hang the 95 Theses on a door. He did not. He wrote this tract and he sent it to his bosses and was like, here's all the things I don't agree with. And his bosses were like, what the fuck? And they started sending it out. And so that's how it got spread all over. And that's how Lutheranism became a big deal. Martin Luther at first was just like, hey, here's some things I don't agree with. It's kind of like that guy who wrote the memo in the mm-hmm. office or the guy, was it Google? Who was like, hey, we should unionize. And then they fired him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. 
Also, it's because of uh, y'all that we had defenestrations. Is it defenestration when you throw someone out of a window? Yes, it's a very fancy word for throwing someone out of a window. It's like my current favorite word. I just found <laughs> learned it recently and I'm like, defenestration. I know about it because there was a whole thing called the defenestrations of Prague where multiple people were thrown out of windows due to discussions about the church and the nature of Christ. Do you think Christ was like, hey guys, chill, please stop throwing people out the window? In my name. <laughs> I mean, how irritating. I, I have these feelings that like, and I'm going to probably get in trouble for this, but I have these feelings that like Muhammad and Jesus kind of sit next to each other sometimes and go, did you hear what this guy just said that I said? Yeah, I mean, I, I do kind of like that idea because I, I do wonder about that a lot. Is like, is any of this what y'all had in mind? Because I know I have that a lot as a Catholic and I got to, um, this is not a flex, but I've seen like St. Peter's Basilica. I've been to Vatican City. And there's so much of me that is so aware that this is not what the Lord had in mind. <laughs> it's a fucking castle. Bingo. The Vatican makes so much money. Well, they did before COVID. Uh, they're still making a ton of money, just doing other things. They're they just doing other things. Homes in some of the most fashionable districts in Europe. Right. Like, there's just something about it that, like, you look at all this marble and stolen art and stuff, and it's like, I just can't help. You don't even have to be like a serious theologian. And it's like, I just can't help but think that this isn't what the Lord had in mind. I just, and like, even if you go to just like any other Catholic church during mass, there's a lot of fabric. There's a lot of statues. There's a lot of shiny things. It all feels like that uh, one song in Pocahontas. <laughs> mine, boys. Yeah, it just mine feels every like mountain. that. Yeah. Uh, like, it's so weird. I, I complete one, I completely understand when people accuse Catholics of still being pagan. We do look like a bunch of witches. I'm going to just say it. There's a lot of fabric and nice clothing, and we do look very witchy. But also, what are these ostentatious displays of wealth? And why? Just, uh, okay. Really, the only influence Catholicism has on this is that it's Spanish, so there is Catholicism in it. And can we talk, okay, I'm going to throw this out there real quick because there are some parts that are extremely racist in this book, but, mm. and also some things that are going to tie into Miguel de Cervantes. Mm. So following the conquest of Grenada in 1492, mm -hmm. about 20% of the population was forced to convert to Catholicism. Yes. And by that, I mean, there were a lot of Spaniards who were descended from the Moriscos or the Muslims. Mm -hmm. And there were a lot of Jews who were forced out of their homes. And so yes. many of these Jewish families converted to Catholicism to remain. So you'll actually mm -hmm. see in a lot of Spanish artwork, there are um, a lot of influences from Jewish religion. There's a lot of influences from Muslim mm -hmm. or from Islam in artwork and things like that because a lot of it was the subtle reminders of this is who we are this is who we we used to be and this is who mm -hmm. we have to be mm -hmm. um and so that's actually ties into his family as well um mm -hmm. there's a belief that his family had um jewish heritage from andalusia mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. or andalusia depending on who you are and um we'll go into that in a little bit but 
there's he talks a lot about how this book was supposedly written by a muslim like when he's he's talking about how he found all the material and stuff which is it's a lie he just wrote it but uh he talks so much shit he goes well we all know that the muslims are liars and i'm just sitting there like listening to the audiobook like covering my face going my god just mm -hmm. you can't ask someone why they're white no i'm just kidding um mean girls that's like one of my favorite things um but yeah there's there's Which is a how lot we of, know that you're a deviant queer there's yeah there's a lot of like little digs about different mm -hmm. types of people in this book so mm -hmm. that's something to look forward to like i physically cannot read gone with the wind because of how many times she uses the n-word i can't i physically can't because of how awful it is to people who are black like i just can't and i know so many people are like gone with the wind is my favorite movie and i'm like why because you're a racist I'm like, because you're an old racist i'm like you can enjoy those dresses those like antebellum dresses without subjugating your friends and neighbors i don't like, think you can i i don't I really do. There is a uh, this stuff they don't want you to know episode about a cult of uh, French Catholics that have like Jewish heritage that the French tried to eradicate. I don't remember the name and I don't have time to go through their thousands of episodes archive, but there is an episode about that. Also, uh, this is Amanda's corner where we had to talk about the Moors and uh, AKA Black Conquest. Please. So the, the Moors, were a group of African, as in from Africa, uh, Muslims that really did a lot of conquering of the Iberian Peninsula, i.e. like Spain and Portugal. Their influence was huge. Mm -hmm. um, the problem that you get into with talking about the Moors and Moorish conquest is that a lot of African Americans mistake that for like, oh, and black people conquered the world. That's not true. These men were mostly Arab. So they were from Africa, but they weren't African in the way that African-Americans are, which is from a different region in part of Africa. So even though a lot of them are drawn very similarly to how African-Americans are, those were mostly racist old caricatures. But you'll see a lot of like really like those Afrocentric people uh, frankly some of them are like fucking crazy who were like oh and this is when the black man ruled the world mm, no this this wasn't black panther um, <laughs> that's not what happened they were of african descent and it was still important but it wasn't like this whole nubian conquest myth but uh that's the more there's some really really cool literature on moorish uh technology and stuff because it is important and it's definitely worth mentioning and not a lot of people research it correctly they start getting into almost like racial ancient alien stuff where it's like the moors use their superiority it's like ah, the spain kind of sucked back then like i'm not saying <laughs> that it wasn't you know unimportant but that part of europe was kind of trash back then so relax but uh, do we have to talk about the Inquisition? I don't want to. No one just, wants I'm, to. So the Inquisition was bad. Can I just <laughs> leave it there? Okay. So at some point in time, it was decided. No, we can really just be done there. Okay. The Inquisition was bad. Bad. 
I'm going to leave it at that because you guys don't need a two-hour lecture from me on why the Inquisition is bad. We really don't. But go. watch the Monty Python sketch about no one expects the Spanish Inquisition. Yeah, watch that. Um, was I keep wanting to say that was Mel Brooks, but you're right. That was Monty Python. I don't know why I keep wanting to say. Okay, but um, so that was the Moors. Just be careful with that because it is mentioned that there's like that this was a Moorish teaching. Uh, that's probably a very, very subtle dig outside of like, again, hey, here's this crazy person who's doing stuff. We're going to make the writer Moorish. It's like, okay, we get it. You didn't, you didn't want the brown people ruling you, but they gave you like water and stuff because you would let all your Roman aqueducts fail. Just saying. The black man did bring water, is all I'm saying. Uh, Mirage and Delusions. I feel like we've talked a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, don't fucking joust with a windmill. Yeah, it never goes well for you. I mean, I... Because, like, again, like I'm imagining this under an American context. You could ram your Ford truck into a windmill. <laughs> I just imagine like driving out in the middle of like with those the ones that we have for like the wind generators now. Yeah. Some guy being like, I'm gonna take it down. Give me my cowboy hat. And I am not making fun of my people. I'm just saying that these people do exist and I have seen them. Mm -hmm. But can you imagine? Oh my gosh, now I wanna make a Man of La Mancha, but it's set in Texas. Okay, yeah like moving on moving on before i get in trouble yeah like it's all those people who keep destroying uh 5g cell towers because it's supposed to give you like the mega cancer or something so i definitely want to get into you have a point here of having a will to live a reason to be Rise on detra. that we do actually see this with him once he realizes that he's not going to fight anymore and things aren't really what he thought he dies his body gives mm -hmm. up and he dies Mm -hmm. um it's not that he doesn't want to or it is that he's like i yeah fighting was stupid out um anyway yep metaphors uh, for life so uh, uh god and it's hard too because a lot of this you want to see him as just being optimistic right like it, it i'll say this there's a lot of stories about like the hero's journey and everything like that, where you have this quest for life and it's this metaphor for like life experience and stuff. A lot of religions are based on like foundational myths of this. Uh, here's the problem is that they usually have to end with death as everyone's quest does. And then they have to make it interesting somehow because most people's lives are boring. And I say that like lovingly, like you wouldn't want an eventful life. An eventful life is like, I've survived five plane crashes and a tornado. No one wants an eventful life in that regard. Um, but in this instance, you really see Don Quixote's quest being one that is meant to mirror this like last phase of his life that they go out of the way saying he's middle-aged, which for that time is like, you're on your deathbed. Um, <laughs> which actually is a bit of a misnomer. Like, that's not as true. Uh, there was actually a really, really cool Neanderthal skull or skeleton that was found that had uh, occipital injuries and was missing a forearm. 
and had a broken a tib fib i said that like i was in er i don't know what's wrong with me i've been watching a lot of er over the past few months um and all those wounds healed so he couldn't have hunted that which means that he was cared for everyone assumed that like neanderthal didn't do that but like this guy proved that they did um but also human evolution is a lie and a conspiracy so we don't know anyways i say that not in the ancient alien sense hold on <laughs> let me clarify i was like wait a minute hold on i don't mean that like in the ancient alien creationist way i mean in the way that um a lot of the lines are very very blurred between when uh pre-human ancestors existed and there's like very very slight differences in a lot of these skeletons so like it's hard to tell who like a, who's like a homo habilis versus who is a neanderthal versus who is a homo erectus and so like, like there's a bunch of non-human ancestors uh famously it's considered to be more of an evolutionary bush rather than an evolutionary tree that we there's just a bunch and they're all coexisting at or around the same time like you will find more mixed together modern human homo sapien with like neanderthal which no one expected because there's supposed to be like a ton of time between them there wasn't so that's what i mean i don't mean like man rode dinosaurs with battles like creationists believe I actually knew a woman who told me that dinosaurs weren't real. They were buried in the earth by Satan to fool us all. I what? almost married her son. I'm really glad no. I didn't. Oh my god. Okay. Back uh, in the day. So my dad went to a fundamentalist church that was full of like creationists and stuff. That was not fun for me uh, as a little proto-queer child who liked anime and Pokemon a lot. Um, and Harry Potter. Really liked all those things. Uh, so dad's anti-science church was not fun. Um, good lord. Uh, so chivalry. That thing that every man says he has. Oh no. <laughs> I sound like such a misandrist sometimes. I'm not. I mean, I'm not a misandrist. I promise. I mean, you still are dating men. So I just glanced over at our outline. This is a very intimate look at the podcast. And under where we are in the current outline, Tori has misspelled Cervantes's name and it's Cervantes. And I... Love there's more there's actually a reason for that it's because okay. that's how he spelled it in his document i read the rest of the sentence but i still love cervantes very yeah. much his printers changed it so that's a that's actually a point that it... i'm glad like i context or not i just need y'all to know that i read cervantes and had a great time in my mind i but don't know why and Amanda does also see me make a lot of typos and get lazy and not necessarily go back and fix them. I try to fix them, but I don't always, because again, like I know sometimes like there's context to it. Like I remember I didn't fuck with this one because there was context to it, but I also like, I'm just reading it now and I guess it's the bourbon in my coffee, but it's like Cervantes. <laughs> so as far as a definition for chivalry, 
the official definition is the medieval knightly system with its religious, moral, and social code, or the combination of qualities expected of an ideal knight, especially courage, honor, courtesy, justice, and a readiness to help the weak. Mm-hmm. Now, normally when we talk about chivalry, we're talking about a willingness to help the weak. But we're, mm-hmm. when we're talking about chivalry is dead, we are talking about the fact that this this whole combination of qualities is we're no longer looking for an ideal knight. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, we would love for people to have courage, honor, courtesy, justice, and a readiness to help the weak. That would be amazing. But no one has it. Also, we need to keep in mind that chivalry was propaganda that was invented by the romance authors. Because again, knights did a lot of raping and pillaging. Cough the Crusades. The cru- Do you remember the time when a bunch of knights threatened to buck up against the Pope for money? Yeah. Well, not personally. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't I'd say there. Not personally remember, because we're not fucking time travelers. We're not- Yet. Yet. Rude. Um, but like chivalry was propaganda written by newer white men to glamorize the actions of older white men. I am not a misandrist. <laughs> I feel like I need you need to make a shirt or a sticker that says that. I can do that. I it'll be in the shop by Monday. <laughs> I am not a misandrist, but dot dot dot. Yeah, I, I just mm. Because I realize I harp on the white man a lot, but in all fairness, 99% of human history's problems have been y'all's fault. Did you see, uh, did you see the, so there was a TikTok that I saw and it was like a cute little bracelet and it had a lock on it and there was like, like a little heart, a keyhole and a, and a key. And it flashes over to this white man and his black girlfriend. And the black lady is like, shackles, you want to put me in shackles? <laughs> and the white guy's just like, no, that's not what I meant. I just thought it was cute. And the white lady is just upset. The black lady is just upset and angry because it's bondage. Like, it's, it's like, you want me to Kunta Kinte and we're not going to do that. <laughs> like, I get it. Some of y'all are trying. But that doesn't make up for the many, many, many of you that did not and are not currently. So I will make an I'm not a misandrist but uh, shirt because that's going to happen. Uh, but yeah, like chivalry is not real. Like it's a fake made up concept by like jack offs like Lord Byron. <laughs> uh... It is. <laughs> It's not real. Like knights were assholes, just like everyone else. Hell, for most of like nautical history, it were the pirates that had the code. Yeah, which was really startling to me. Yeah, pirates weren't that lawless. They actually had some really, really strict rules, especially the ones in China. So yeah chivalry is dead and trying to live it will kill you because you're gonna try to fuck with a windmill okay so i'm trying to talk about the uh crown of aragon without messing up so yes at this point in time in the world that cervantes was living in there were parts 
all over the Mediterranean, so parts of Spain, parts of southern France, part, Sardinia, Malta, southern Italy, parts of Greece, that were controlled by the crown of Aragon. And by mm -hmm. that, we're talking about they were what they call a composite monarchy. So you had a bunch of all these little territories and then they were kind of in all covered by one person. Um, it's, it's confusing. It's weird. But when we talk to you about Cervantes being in certain parts of the world, it wasn't like he was out of his territory. Mm -hmm. what I'm trying to get to, because there are parts where he goes to Rome and goes to different other areas as a soldier for Spain. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, because I'm going, but why would you? Oh, okay. It's not like a travel thing, not for fun. No, um, you you did fine talking about the crown of Aragon. Very very short. I'm going to include a link for y'all so you can like go into a whole spiral if you really want to. Yes, because that's what happens when I research for this podcast, and that's mm -hmm. it's like two in the morning. I'm like, did you know? Okay. Also, uh, Queen Catherine was great. That was the first mistake that Henry VIII ever made. Well, that's the I first to... major mistake that everyone saw. Mm. It's the first mistake he made. The others might have been due to jousting accident. He was also a sociopath. but ah, I'm not going to give him that much credit. There's an amazing book called um, Anne Boylan, 500 Years of Lies. And I think I've talked about it on here before. Go read that. Read it. It's so good. Because she actually uses yeah, real text yeah. from the time period and not just the uh, materials that were mm -hmm. supplied by people who hated Anne Boylan because oh, of her religious attempts to uh, change the system. Yeah. Um, Anne Boylan is great. So as much as I love her, I will say how Henry handled the whole Anne Boleyn thing. Uh, not great. No, no. So it's not a love match, y'all. I know we they try to make it sound like it was a love match, but it wasn't. Hey, I need two minutes. I'm going to stop the recording real quick. Okay. Come on. Oh, there we go. Sorry about <laughs> that. There are some major downsides to no longer having a gallbladder. I, you know, I've heard, I've heard, I've heard. Uh, but also, so I'm not in chronic yes. pain anymore, so that's nice. Yeah, that's good. Uh, so we're talking about uh, the Crown of Aragon and Henry VIII and Anne Boleyn, but uh, Tori took a break to get me to not talk about Henry VIII and Anne Boleyn for five hours. Is that why I did it? I'm assuming so. That and intestinal distress. Anyway. To, to throw me off my rhythm. <laughs> in the, Is that like, all John... I have to do? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> to throw me off my rhythm like John Mulaney. <laughs> Now I've thrown him off his rhythm. <laughs> I love John Mulaney so much. I hope he's doing okay. Well, he's out of rehab now. He so. is out of rehab. John Mulaney, if you can hear this, we love and support you. I love somebody put over, what is it? Um, Macbeth. It was his recording of, my wife is such a bitch and I love her. And I'm just like, yeah. That's very accurate. Love, I love Macbeth. The one where the the video version with Alex Kingston, she is amazing. She's like the be best Lady Macbeth I've ever seen, and she's she's hot. She's like making out with it. Moved me. It was amazing. Okay, so Alex Kingston. 
she's just she's just Alex Kingston. Like, if given the opportunity and her interest, yes. And my husband would allow it. He would be like, go for it. Tell me about it later. Have fun. That and Chris Evans. She's Alex Kingston is so strange because so like many Americans, uh, my introduction to her was not Doctor Who. Anyway, go on. And it's a very different portrayal because my introduction to her was ER. And yes, she is still all the things she later ends up being in Doctor Who, but like very toned down because it's the 90s. <laughs> and then we get to Doctor Who and it's like, God damn, <laughs> you don't have a fuck to give, do you, woman? And like in the best way. Like, none, none. No just, fucks left to give. Just zero. And it's like, good lord Uh, i gotta go get that okay so i have a signature from her because my friend brett is the absolute amazingest and Mm -hmm. he was at a convention and um i need to go it's in the garage from when we moved and Mm -hmm. i'm a horrible person and i just realized that that's where it's been hiding so -hmm. that needs to come into the library anyway okay we're going to talk about cervantes for a minute we are and uh if you're like me and you keep thinking about soul caliber don't feel bad (laughs) okay despite the fact that he is now super famous as far as his name goes Mm -hmm. a lot about his life and background is not known the most famous portrait of him actually might not be his portrait so um, (laughs) his the way he signed his paperwork was like we were talking about Cervantes Mm -hmm. um, which I guess is still pronounced Cervantes um, and his printers changed it to have a v because they're like it Mm -hmm. looks better anyway it's believed he was born on september 29th in 1547 that's Mm -hmm. kind of the the general consensus in alcala de hernares and i apologize if i butchered that you would think i would know how to pronounce spanish after trying to learn it for years anyway and he was um he was the son of rodrigo or yeah rodrigo and leonor de cervantes um Mm -hmm. his dad was the son of a very powerful lawyer of jewish heritage from cordoba in andalusia and there's a lot of argument about his mom's heritage whether she was jewish what she was um but again because we don't know a whole lot they don't go into it Uh, his dad was not really great at keeping a job and so they were usually in debt or his dad was looking for work they mm-hmm. had seven kids, so oh my god! Um, but they could. His mom could read and write, and she supported her family when her husband was put in debtor's prison from October 1553 to 1554. Mm-hmm. Um, Cervantes went to a Jesuit school and learned how to read and write. At that point in time, reading was usually something that was reserved for the upper crust and upper class. So he his learning to read. Um, when he was not in that class was a big deal. Um, And he loved books and he loved literature. There is a whole thing about his heritage because there's, it's documented that a Miguel de Cervantes left Madrid because there's an arrest warrant from the time period for wounding a man in a duel, Mm -hmm. um, Antonio de Segura. And that was a possible reason that he bailed out of Madrid at one point in time. He ended up in Rome. He worked for an Italian bishop before going to Naples, which at that point in time was part of the crown of Aragon, which we were just talking about. Mm -hmm. He ended up hanging out with his brother for a while. In 1571, he sailed on board a ship called the Marquesa, which was part of a fleet run by John of Austria, a.k.a. the illegitimate half-brother of Philip of Spain, 
It's all together, friends. They defeated the Ottomans at, um, at the Battle of Lepanto. And mm-hmm. supposedly, Cervantes had malaria really bad. Um, he ended up being given command of a small boat with 12 men to attack the enemy. And during mm-hmm. that fight, he got two chest wounds and one that left his left arm completely useless. He ended up getting multiple pay raises. Um, but they have, ad- historians have advised that reading his documentation versus his actual, you know, ascendancy in the military, um, he talked himself up a lot. He was kind of like, and I hate to say this, he was a little bit John Walker. Um, no, no. Yeah. no, no, yeah. no, no, no. So he evidently was captured at one point in time and held for ransom. He ended up in Istanbul. Mm -hmm. He uh, tried escaping four times in five years. And then a group of Christians who went around paying to rescue Christian captives called the Trinitarians um, rescued him and he was returned to Madrid. He had a really hard time finding a job in Spain and keeping, keep in mind, like, Amanda has talked about Spain wasn't really a great place at that point in time. There were very mm-hmm. few jobs. Um, the infrastructure was messed up. Uh, uh, it wasn't great. Right? Like America now. Hi. Uh, yes. Um, oh, so- one note to say though: uh, a lot of people now would assume that malaria is a tropical disease. It's not. The climate in Europe was a lot different. Like physically, the climate. Um, it was actually endemic, as in like native in England so a lot of places in Europe had malaria problems just wanted to put that out there because I know like the first couple times I was reading it like in Tudor history it's like oh and King Henry got malaria excuse me what (laughs) from what from where if you ever look at the phages of malaria like what it looks like it's so Mm -hmm. creepy looking like when you see it under an electron microscope it would freak me out do you have magnified microbes no so there's a plush line called magnified microbes and they're plushies of diseases. And I have a white blood cell and I have a red blood cell that I got at a funeral convention because of course I do. And they're little clips that I put on my backpack. They have malaria. They have the bubonic plague. I think they have some of the sexually transmitted diseases. They have COVID-19 now. I oh, there's COVID. I only know because somebody showed it to me at an OES meeting and I was like, what the hell is this? So I knew what you were talking about after you started explaining it. I was like, oh. I love them, honestly. I think they're very cute. They shouldn't be, but they are. And that's what kind of person I am. So we were talking about Cervantes having a really hard time getting jobs, right? Yes, we were. So he ended up meeting a woman named Catalina de Salazar y Palacios, Mm -hmm. to whom he was married in December 1584. The girl was like between 15 and 17. Mm-hmm. gross but that's the time period it was a different time however just before this happened he had an illegitimate daughter with a woman named Ana Franca who was the in who was a wife of an innkeeper in Madrid mm-hmm. and when Ana died in 1598 he asked his sister to take care of the little girl whose name was Isabel so he was he was doing dirty okay um yeah he, he became a government purchasing agent and then a tax collector. He was jailed several times for irregularities in his collections, but people actually think it was probably more due to price fluctuations in the country, so changes in you know what taxes needed to be collected versus mm-hmm. him being shady. Um, all the descriptions of his symptoms before he died correspond with diabetes, which is not surprising because at that point in time, diabetes was completely untreatable. Um, They used to just tell people only eat meat and drink beer because it would would spike your blood sugar less. 
Um, and so people just died pretty much after developing diabetes. Um, mm. Don Quixote is supposedly the first novel or the like as far as that's what's considered to be in literature there is some fight over that the first what's also going to be like one of the first like modern novels because of the mix of episodic storytelling and i guess the ramblings of a drunk man (laughs) so his image appears on the euro coin in spain but it's based on a bust that was Mm -hmm. carved in 1905 so again Mm -hmm. we don't know if that's really what he looked like so the drama the drama so the second Don Quixote book there's a whole part at the beginning where Don Quixote is ripping apart the concept of publishers and bookbinders and bookshops and just going off like completely off like what the heck that my friends is because Cervantes took forever to write the second book the first book was incredibly popular everybody wanted more and at the end of the first book Cervantes puts in this um, description where basically he's like, if you think you can do better, freaking do it, like write your own book. So at this point in time, obviously we didn't have publishing laws and we did not have that kind of thing. So basically some guy wrote fan fiction, okay? Mm. He wrote an incredibly popular fan fiction book that got published and sold and sold and sold. Well, people didn't realize that that wasn't Cervantes book. And so Mm -hmm. when Cervantes ended up finishing his second book and putting it in, he just was ripping this guy apart at the start of the book. So if you're reading it and you're like, what the heck? This makes no sense. That's because that sequel doesn't exist in our literature anymore. It's gone. It's basically Mm -hmm. like, um, I'm trying to think of the name of the author. Think of it as like some thriller novel that somebody wrote 15 years ago that's no longer in print. Okay. Like (laughs) it was super popular at the time, but now nobody has any idea of what he's talking about. So when you're reading that, that's what happened. It was a major pissing contest between him and some guy who wanted to cash in. Mm -hmm. So anyway, drama. I always find the drama when we read now. And I'm like, I love it because I'm a messy bench who loves the drama as long as it's somebody who's been dead for like 400 years. True. Also, okay, I have an update. Uh, there is an asthma <laughs> giant microbes plush. Oh, God. And it looks like a nightmare, but I also think I need to own it. I kind of feel like you do as well. Can you imagine if we just owned little plushes based on all of the disorders we have? There is we, one for depression. We would fill a freaking room, okay? Oh, it would just be the two of us and we would fill your living room. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. There is... The one for depression is is just a sad brain, but not false. Oh, I mean, that's true. Yes. I feel like, okay, so I don't know if it's just upped levels of medication and I just don't care anymore, uh-huh. or if it's the fact that I'm 36 years old and I just don't care anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be a combo, but I'm starting to feel a lot better about things. And I'm, yeah, the world around me is crap, mm-hmm. so I do little things to try and fight it the bad stuff you know and it doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily mean that everything is hunky-dory and everything is going to be fixed Mm -hmm. but if I'm taking care of other people and I'm Mm -hmm. doing what I can when Mm -hmm. I can I feel like that's me living what I'm supposed to be doing yeah I mean not to get like too super political on the pod or uh philosophical for that matter as well uh 
Yeah, it could be that there is a genuine kind of optimism that some people have. I think at least like for me, being vaccinated has helped a lot. Oh, same, same. Um, because it's like, I, I mean, I was wearing masks and stuff, still am. Well, but yeah. you feel less likely if I get this, I'm probably not going to die a horrible death in the hospital, right? Exactly. Like I think for me, I noticed the turnaround when I could start planning for things. Like they're not anytime soon, but it's like, hey, maybe next year we can do this thing. Because for a while... I couldn't even do that. It was like day to day to day to day. But like now it's like, hey, we can look forward to this thing maybe really later in the year or next year. Like that has been tremendously beneficial to my mental health. Um, it's still, I'm still terrified because of other things. Mm-hmm. Understood. Uh, but like the the virus part, I'm less worried about. And I think like that might be what you're feeling is like, something kind of got taken off the plate it's still a pretty full plate but like one of the rolls fell off or something so it's just a little bit easier to carry that's kind of how i'm envisioning it the green beans rolled off so now there's more room for ham yeah yeah pretty much i love that we've mutually agreed this is thanksgiving Mm, i mean anything i we usually have ham at easter but yeah we have ham at easter we will usually have ham at Thanksgiving and then depending on how many people we'll have it at Christmas. But also like our family usually will send us a honey baked ham. So Aww. yeah, our extended family will mail us a ham and it's great. It's so nice. Also they're shipped like they're a fucking biohazard. I love it. Have you ever received a honey baked ham in the mail? I have not. They are shipped like I think like the COVID vaccine is less protected when it's mailed. <laughs> Honey baked hams are fucking like 30 boxes just sealed. I, 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 I've seen children with less protection than a honey-baked ham. <laughs> so at some point in time, back when I was trying to do small animal taxidermy, which I still have two of the ones I did, which were mm-hmm. awful, awful, but entertaining. Um, I had lab mice shipped to the house. And they mm-hmm. showed up in this like cooler with mm-hmm. all these like dried ice and stuff like that. And I was mm-hmm. like, my neighbors must think I'm getting ready to do a drug deal or something. Cause this is when I was living in like the middle of nowhere, Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was a mess. Yeah, I'm sure it was. Um, I mentioned in our uh, secret writing chat that uh, my neighbors think I'm a witch because I regularly salt my doorstep. And um, I've become the one slur that, like, if I have food delivered, I will use my uh, old person grabber claws and just drag it in so I don't have to, like, go outside. That's amazing. Yeah, I got, I have one of those, like, senior citizen grabber things because I'm very short. You are small. You are very small. And it's very helpful, actually. Like, it's shockingly, it was given to me as, like, a joke. I use it regularly. It's great. I don't have to bend to pick things up. I know this is for old people, but I'm five foot one with large boobs. Let me use my grabber. So I'll just like extend a claw out and like drag my food through the threshold. I love that. I, I can picture this having been to your place. Yeah. Just like, it's kind of like Despicable Me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I'm imagining more like the one slur because like when I was a kid, that was how I wanted to live. Like I didn't see him as a villain. That was like a goal to, to try to be. Which again, red flag. Red flags on the field. Entire right. field is red. 
right i very much was like the one slur is living the life i want to live where you just like throw a bucket down and you don't talk to anyone directly and you're already like a rich capitalist who doesn't see a problem with what you do like i was fine with it fun fact the lorax was the first book i checked out of the library as a child and I clearly picked up the wrong lesson because I was like, the one slur did nothing wrong. And I mean like the old one slur, not like the weird new one slur that Tumblr wants to have sex with. Not that one. I'm concerned about Tumblr sometimes. Sometimes? Okay, all the time. Okay, but to be fair, yeah, I watched Super TikTok- Hulak was a thing. I watched, I've been watching TikTok videos and because I made the mistake of starting to watch the Marvel ones. Now yes. everything is currently Daniel Brühl as Baron Zemo. And I got to tell yes. you, I don't disagree. My my husband was teasing me about this the other day. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I, the man speaks six languages. What do you mm-hmm. want from me? Oh, do you want to tell our listeners about your time watching Glorious Bastards? Okay. So Amanda's been trying to get me to watch Glorious Bastards forever. Uh, yes. Not as much as Django Unchained, which I did watch for her birthday like two years ago now. And for the record, I only push this movie because it's like half of my references. Yeah. <laughs> and I just wanted Tori to understand me. It wasn't me just trying to be like that no. guy who wants you to watch fiction because he thinks it's deep. It, yeah, it's that not was, that guy. That was wanna, rude, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. I actually was that guy. Let's be real. I'd be like, you've never seen Fight Club? I did that to my husband. <laughs> He's like, what's wrong with you? He's like, you yeah. like this movie? I'm like, I do. I like Chuck Palahniuk. <laughs> and then I'm like, wow, I was the toxic male in our relationship. Okay. Anyway, so in Glorious Bastards, yes. Amanda's like, you know Daniel Brühl's in this movie, right? And I was like, go on. <laughs> All right. Well, if it's on something I can watch, I'll watch it. So anyway, it wasn't on anything I could watch it. So my husband helped me get a copy of it. Yes. And I ended up having to watch the movie myself, like by myself, because he's like, I don't like this movie. First of all, Eli Roth has no right to be that hot. He's no so hot. Right. I was going, uh, I don't know if I'm going to like, I don't know if I'm going to like him in this role. And he shows up and I'm just like, Hi. yes, <laughs> you're going to go hit that guy in the face with a baseball bat? <laughs> That's kind of hot. And then I'm like, wow, I need, I need help. Um, I was texting Amanda. It's very unfortunate that um, the two hottest guys in the movie are also are Nazis. I'm like, come on, come on. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how Tarantino does it, but like you, you start the movie and you're rooting for the Nazi and like, he knows he's bad. That's one thing I will say I did love about this movie is that like none of the Nazis are like, oh, I'm just a soldier they are all aware to some level that like this isn't okay and i'm gonna tell you i was rooting for daniel Brühl. i was rooting for him until the he very end very charming he and attractive. goes after that girl and i was like yes. oh fuck take him out girl take him he, out he was oh, very young and attractive during yeah. that movie and i actually totally forgot it was him and i was like oh yeah uh yeah all of my favorite characters are the nazis including uh the guy who plays dieter hellstrom yeah yeah just because I, one i love that name and two uh his performance is great uh shout out to michael fassbender for being good in one role finally oh you didn't tell me fassbender was in the movie before i started it you didn't and i didn't tell, tell you he spoke me. german no <laughs> and i know he's german but i didn't put it together it's just like um brule i don't put together half the time that he's span half spanish half german mm-hmm. and so when he goes into that like rapid fire spanish i'm just like just really 
really come on and it's it's great because he was talking about filming the alienist and like the director for the alienist or one of the producers is spanish she goes i was very excited i thought i was going to go on set and it was going to be short days and we've been having like uh Roja, like he's talking about like red drinking red wine and stuff and he goes mm-hmm. and then i get on set and he is very demanding and he wants to do this and i'm just going no i just keep talking it's fine it's fine like so tori had a great time listening to several hot men have a series of conversations yeah. oh. <laughs> my god it's like every time i watch a tarantino movie i'm like i'm not gonna like this i'm not gonna like it and then i'm like oh but your dialogue is great it's so weird because I, so I'm a Tarantino fan, but like new Tarantino, like Kill Bill's honestly one of my favorite movies of all time. I love Kill Bill. Um, volume two. Kill Bill. I like volume two more than volume one and like everyone thinks I'm more. fucking crazy and that's okay. That's no, okay. I don't think you're, I don't think you're crazy for it. I can definitely see how volume two goes down easier for some people. Volume one is the shit for me because honestly, Lucy Liu gives me a boner. My God, that woman is beautiful like just lucy lou is very hot in that movie and deadly which probably says a lot about the kind of women i go after <laughs> um red flags on yes. the field yeah red, red flags just just littered with red flags um but it's so funny because like i'll recommend these movies to tori and yeah she'll be like oh man i don't really like tarantino and then i'll get like 30 messages in like a minute and a half like he's hot oh he's last hot. night we finished falcon and winter soldier and I could not post online about the character that I found the most attractive because, friend, it would give a spoiler to the whole thing because mm-hmm. who do I go after? The most evil conniving bitches. Okay? Okay. Yeah. Can't give that away because none of my friends had seen it. And I'm just sitting there like... You're just stewing in it. <laughs> and I'm not going to spoil it here because half of you... Because you're not a bad person. Um, but... I love, I saw a meme of that show and it was just mm-hmm. a poster that's with, it goes, hey, we'll give you this million dollar or billion dollar show, but I need you to not make it super political. And they changed the titles on it to be like inner, or, um, internal racism and how we treat American veterans. And I'm like, where's the lie? Okay, so I'm still on the, the Giant Microbes website because I need help. And I have an update for you. There's a Uh-oh. Spanish flu with a little sombrero. <laughs> there's serotonin. Can, and there's help. a pneumonia. I need a crate of serotonin and dopamine. Can we have that? I, dopamine exists as well. <laughs> this is the greatest thing that has ever been invented. You're going to have to send me the link so I can share it with our listeners happily oh my god this is the greatest thing that god has ever made um and i need every single one of them and just yeah like a crate i agree like we need we need to like get all of our conditions and just so, put them in a room and we can just be next to them you can even get a white lab mouse we have gone so far off the rails on this podcast we have we were talking about the glorious bastards and now i'm looking at a uh, microphages which is so, a word that i love um did you have to read this book in school so no i actually didn't have to read this in school um i do have vague memories of having read this book somewhere or at least like the kid abridged version uh because i was a weird kid and i've definitely seen the wishbone episode which we are going to talk about more because wishbone's the greatest thing uh yeah i don't i don't think i like it 
I was gonna say, I know y'all have heard me do my like humble brag about reading this in Castilian Spanish in college and being really surprised that there was a sentence about something being like a monkey and I was like I think I understand that word but I don't think I understand the context so anyway I mean, that was me reading the Indian in Latin it's like I think I understand this so adaptations we already talked a little bit about Man of La Mancha being amazing but rapey yes um, and that's where a ton of very famous songs come from which mm-hmm. I'm like singing along going, I didn't know I knew that song. Anyway, Wishbone, the impossible dream. Oh my God, soccer. Soccer's the name of the dog, just in case you guys don't. I love that like I was able to that. give you Wishbone trivia. Yeah, soccer is the name of the dog. Um, he's very dead, but. <laughs> We're going to go he's... on a trip at some point in time and visit his little puppy grave. Yeah, well, it's on private property, so I think we'd have to, like... Oh, call. never mind. We'll just yeah, donate like treats in his name to a local shelter, then. Yeah, like, it's it's on his owner's, like, house. Okay, so I googled Wishbone, because I wanted to see his little outfit. First yep. of all, his Sherlock cape, the best thing that's ever existed. The first question is, is the dog from Wishbone still alive? Oh, This started in 1995. No, he's very much not. Yeah, he's... I'm sorry, children. I also learned that the lemur from Zabumafu died. Yeah. But he was, was old for a lemur. from tree to tree. Leap. Leap. My sister and I used to watch that just so we could yell Zabumafu at each other. I loved Zabumafu as a child. We're not talking about the book. We are such... <laughs> Take a shot every time we don't talk about the book. I don't want people to die. <laughs> it's like when you play the room drinking game. Oh, God. Take it... <sighs> Because you're supposed to play with Scotchka. Oh, God. You're supposed you just don't to play... want to remember things for the next six weeks? Well, yeah. It's the... I'm playing the room drinking game. I don't want to remember anything. I don't want to exist. What is it like? You have to finish the bottle every time you see Tommy Wiseau's ass? Which so, happens a lot. I think it's take a shot every time you hear an oh, ha, Mark. Which oh, you're... Th- that alone, you're drunk. When he's like, oh, you are all chicken. Oh, cheep, my cheep, cheep. Okay, so if you haven't watched the movie The Room, you could probably find it for <laughs> the free. The movie The Room was written by a strange time-traveling vampire named Tommy Wiseau. Tommy Wiseau, my friend has met him. I have stood within 10 feet of him, but I refused to buy a pair of his underwear or a poster so he could sign it. So I just watched over her shoulder. The man is crazy. He drives he a Hummer, and the Hummer has The Room on the back of it. It's I'm not shocked. Amazing amazing he is so deluded and so insane i but you also kind of can't fault him like he 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 is our modern don quixote that's exactly (gasps) quixote we brought it back yes he's he's got his little crew of people who act as his sancho panza and they just go yes sir you can make this movie and spend millions of dollars yeah and there are god we we did it. We brought it back somehow. You're welcome for me mentioning the room. I'm literally on a segue trying to corral us back to topic. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Wishbone was great. Uh, go watch The Impossible Dream. He's very cute. I also would love to recreate his Sherlock outfit for a little dog. I know. We need friends who have Jack Russell Terriers. You know, real talk, I usually don't think that Jack Russells are that cute. I just think Wishbone is. They're really smart. 
they're crazy smart. I dated a dude who his mom had one and it knew how to open doors in their house. I don't like that. Yeah. It was I'm not dangerous. fond of I'm not fond of that at all. Okay, so according to Wikipedia, uh soccer actually lived a very long life. He was born in 1988 and died in 2001. Wow, he did live a long life for a Jack Russell. That's a yeah, that's a great dog life. Uh, he was named after a soccer ball. Thank you, Wikipedia. And he could do a backflip. I remember that from the show. He also played Sancho Panza in this episode, and he was very excited because his job was not to fight. His job was to be in charge of the snacks. <laughs> Is this how sad we are? Is that like we're really excited about? Like I said, my husband was making fun of me as I'm like, what's the story, wishbone, on so the fun, couch. <laughs> so fun fact, and I learned this about people that have anxiety and depression, is that uh, we really love children's media, mm-hmm. like children, children's media. Because I remember when I was like at peak depression after college, I watched a shocking amount of the show called The Octonauts. <gasps> I love The Octonauts! I watched a horrifying amount of The Octonauts. Because everything was okay, there was no danger, there were no stakes, everything was very cute, and there was usually a song, and it just made me feel like everything was going to be okay. Now I just want to be like, creature report, creature report, creature report. I'm sure everyone knows who my favorite character was. Now I want to know, because I don't think it was Dash. No, it was a little, uh... Was it the Scottish kitty cat? No, that's your favorite character. Was it the um It was, was the octopus not the octopus, he was a squid. Yes, he was the a dumbo squid. squid. Yeah. Yes. I loved him. He was my favorite because he was a dumbo squid, and dumbo squids in real life look very cute. They're in the same in Serena family as the vampire squid, which has the greatest Latin name of any animal ever, because I took Latin for way too long. I just realized I've abandoned my um mm-hmm. what was that Nintendo game? Animal Crossing. I've abandoned my Animal Crossing people for like a year. My favorite is when you go in and they guilt trip you. Mm-hmm. And they're like, Oh. I thought it's been you a while. <laughs> I thought you went to a different island. You're like, Shut you know what? Up. I got I Animal Crossing. Plants. I got Animal Crossing for Christmas and I never started it because I've been in too much of like a depression funk to start new things because I'm afraid it'll disappoint me. It's really fun and I enjoy Oh, I know. It like I, that is it's not just... an indictment on Animal Crossing. I like, know. It's just my, my... I have so much other crap to do at this yeah, point. Like, I've com- that is far from an indictment. Life. Yeah, that's far from an indictment on Animal Crossing, but when I my friend was 100% on the right track thinking that I would love this. And if there was not a pandemic happening, I would. But my brain is like Stay in the lane that's safe, which is why I've logged 500 hours on Pokemon Sword and I've completed all three Pokedexes. Um, I'm just impressed. So uh, we have some resources. Sparknotes, as always, is great, uh, as is Wikipedia, or we'll just put, watch Wishbone. Yeah, we'll put a bunch of the YouTube videos and stuff up. And we will. I also messaged Tori the, uh, the link for all the stuffies. Oh, is that oh. why my phone vibrated? Okay. Yes yeah uh, so there's that uh what are we reading next um we are reading house on mango street by sandra mm-hmm. cisneros who is still alive as of the uh, recording of this episode and we hope not to kill her <laughs> like we did tony morrison 
Also, I just found out that uh, Jenny Lawson is signing books at the Nowhere Bookshop right now. I don't know who that is. She is the bloggess. Oh, I know her. She's my freaking hero in life. Anyway, we're all Did over social media. Did she ever open her shop here? It just opened today for Independent Bookstore Day. Oh. Um, so. Oh, I'm- yeah. Uh, if you're in San Antonio, we have a bunch of independent bookstores. Uh, my favorite is either the Twig or literally any of the sketchy antique ones down Broadway. The sketchy antique ones on Broadway, just be prepared. Those floors are uneven. The rooms smell like mold, but you will find gold in those them that are hills. Yeah, that's where I found uh, my illustrated history of the Marquis de Sade. Also, Half Price Books is always beautiful. It's not independent. I know it's not, but I love them. Yeah. I take and books I there when I'm like, has... I need to get rid of this. <laughs> I love that everyone has their favorite Half Price. Like, they'll only go to that one. I really like the one on Broadway, but I have no reason to go to the one on Broadway anymore because my husband doesn't work downtown anymore. Yeah. Um, also, I used to that go there when he was working lot. Saturdays. Oh, their parking lot's insane. I always think I'm going to get killed. Yeah, their parking lot, unique to San Antonio and not about the book. Uh, so take a drink. Um, their parking lot, I feel like I am in constant jeopardy of like my car just evaporating. Mm-hmm. Um, I- my favorite, let me see. I like the My one over on Bandera price. in 1604. Bandera 1604. That's a good one. Uh, Hebner Oaks. Is that the one off of 410? Yeah. Over, over North by Star- like. There's a Starbucks in the next shopping center. But yeah, there's like a. Bu- I mean, basically, Hebner Oaks is like everything Amanda likes. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Hebner Oaks has like everything Amanda likes. And the best part is we're not even triangulating our location because we are all over San Antonio because yeah, it's we're, massive. Yeah, we're you don't know anything about where we are. We're just throwing things out. I uh, told my boss where I'm driving from every day and she's like, you're insane. And I'm like, it's really not that bad. And she's yeah, still like, you're insane. San Antonians have a weird concept of what a long commute is. Yeah. That was a Californian and someone from Dallas Forth. Yeah, San Antonians have a very skewed idea of what a long and bad commute is. I used Um, to be on 410 for, not 410, wow, the 405, because we mm -hmm. have to show it reverence if you're from California, um, for four hours to go 40 minutes, or what should have been 40 minutes, with with Mm -hmm. Crystal at the helm, and because she was driving, we listened to ABBA, so... I've been wanting to rewatch Mamma Mia so badly. I've never seen a Mamma Mia. The funny thing is, I've always been super anti-ABBA, but as I get older, I care less. And so I will just be sitting there because of after, um, what is it, the Fire Saga, Eurovision, mm-hmm. the Fire Saga. I'll just mm-hmm. randomly be like, Waterloo. <laughs> just start singing okay. it. Okay. So because there is technically a novelization of the movie, I can make you watch Mamma Mia for my birthday. God dang it. I, I hate your technicalities. That's how we did rent. Because <laughs> there is technically a novelization of the book. Yeah, the more you do this, the closer we go. Um, <laughs> the closer we get to War and Peace. War and Peace, yeah. <laughs> I'm rereading Anna Karenina in the background. Like, it's not something I'm super focused on. Because basically I got it for as a review book. And... I, I did my full review on it, but now I'm like listening to it slowly and just kind of absorbing it. Yes. 
Anna Karenina is the book that made me break up with a guy. Okay. Because I'm I was like, that. holy crap, I'm going to be unhappy forever if I if mm-hmm. I marry this dude. Mm-hmm. And um, that was a very wise choice. It didn't seem wise at the time, but it was a very wise choice. I mean, Piers Bronson is in it. Stellan Skarsgård is in it. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing to hate about Mamma Mia. Meryl Streep in it. Well, yeah, but like, that's not why I'm Meryl. watching. <laughs> Meryl Streep. Okay. I have nothing, nothing negative to say about Meryl Streep. I'm just saying I'm watching it because Piers Brosnan is in it. Because Amanda and I have gone off the rails and we'll probably stay off the rails. You can find us all over social media. We're on Unfortunately Required, we- Unfortunately Required Reading on Facebook unfortunately yes. are, are on twitter unfortunately mm-hmm. required on instagram or mm-hmm. just go to unfortunately required and you can also email us at unfortunately required reading at gmail.com yep we uh, are also if, sorry go ahead if you'd like to contribute to the wine and cheese fund as i think we'll be able to start recording in person again soon Woo-hoo! we'll talk about a strategy for that uh you may do so at anchor.fm slash unfortunately required reading we'd like to take this time to thank our current patrons uh with your support we continue to keep the lights on both physically and metaphorically in our hearts and your continued support has been an inspiration to us as we continue on this sojourn together thank you and we love you and also if you want to be back on the pod let us know (laughs) we may have an opportunity i'm trying to keep demons from my pop tarts (laughs) and tori's out here shilling again oh we do have a red bubble. Look for the I'm not a misandrist butt sticker, hopefully by Monday. Or be one of the people who buys our bestseller, White Tears. I, I say this every episode. If you have that sticker, I want to see where you put it. I just want to see it. I'm not going to judge you. I just want to know where you're putting it because I think that that is phenomenal. Um, yeah, so we're going to read House on Mango Street. Uh, just because you're vaccinated doesn't mean that you need to stop wearing a mask. Uh, in the words of a lovely song on TikTok, the pandemic isn't over just because you're over it. Yep. Fair. Uh, I get it. We're all tired. But uh, So tired. We're all tired and we all hate masks. I, um, I realize that I've been mask hoarding, so I have too many. They're all on a hook. But uh, guys, I do see the light at the end of the tunnel. I think we're going to get through this. Things will improve. They have to. I hope so. When did I become John Green? I don't know, but I watch Hank and John on TikTok all the time now, and I'm in love with them both, but not in a creepy way, more as a I want to be best friends with them kind of way. I find that a lot of my relationship dynamics are very similar to Hank and John's dynamic as brothers. And in almost every scenario, I'm consistently the John Green. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> I'm almost always the John of just like over dramatic and exhausted and anxious and OCD. But um, I'm, I'm Hank screaming into the void. Yes, you're you're also Hank with thirty million projects. <laughs> I love him so much. You're it's also. Like- that sense of kinship when John yes. Green basically just recently went on this whole thing and goes, y'all are really surprised that Hank is very popular on TikTok, but here's the other things he's been doing for 30 years. And it's just this entire page of stuff. And he goes, yeah, and guess what? It's all for charity. So yes, I love my brother. And I'm like, 
okay, before we go, there was a video that, because I say I made me cry a lot. Fun fact about antidepressants, I haven't cried in like a year. <laughs> I take a lot of medication to not cry. There was a TikTok of this guy dressed as Master Chief and like he's kind of famous. And someone had asked, hey, are you like in real life mute or don't talk because you don't ever speak in your videos? And the TikTok basically was like, I'm so glad you asked me this question. I don't talk because whenever you read what I'm writing, you know, as like captions, you give me a voice, whether it's Master Chief or like his real persona or your own. And oftentimes so many people just need to hear their own voice. So here it is for you who need to hear it. And he says, um, I love you. I'm so proud of you. I see how hard you fight, kiddo, and you're doing a great job. Never give up to the moon and back. No, I don't want to cry right now. I fully, like, was just crying. I was fully crying. It's like, how do you know everything that I needed? How does the TikTok algorithm know that I needed that so much? And that's something important for our listeners to hear, too. Yeah, you are loved. Um, you're doing a you great job with what you got. Mm-hmm. Keep fighting. Mm-hmm. To the moon and back. <laughs> See you guys next time. Uh, go read a book. <laughs>